Welcome back to ASD, A New Perspective, the podcast show where we help you understand the mind of your child. And we always encourage you that growth for your child is possible. I'm Kat Lee, and in this podcast, Dr. Gutstein talks about a basic foundation in RDI, dynamic thinking, and the difference between dynamic and static. Let's listen in. So, a lot of people think there's this continuum of, you know, dynamic on one end and static on the other, right? Where, um, you know, where, where you got this opposite, that's sort of the opposite of static. And it's not at all. On the one end, you've got static, but on the other end, you've got chaotic or random, okay? Um, and that's what systems theorists tell us. And there are two very important ways in which dynamic situations or systems are different from their chaotic ones, okay? So one is the variability, the variations that we encounter in a chaotic situation, they're random. They're completely unpredictable. But in contrast, variations we find in dynamic situations are almost always within a specific range. Okay. Now, we can't predict which specific variation in that range we're going to encounter at any one moment. But we can usually, not always, predict that whatever we do see, whatever variations we do see, are going to be within a certain range. They're not going to just be anywhere. Now, there is an exception to that, and we'll talk about that in terms of volatility, but um, not right now. <laughs> so within a situation, think about within a situation, a chaotic situation is one where there's things are changing, variations, and you have no idea what's going to happen from one to the next, right? Completely random in the world, right? And elephant turns into a donkey. I mean, it just there's just no way to predict it. In a dynamic situation, while you can't predict what's next or what's going to happen, like in a conversation, you can usually predict or expect that the changes, the new topics or changes in topics or things you bring up are going to be within a certain range. They're not going to be suddenly the person is going to take out a gun and shoot you or, you know, that something just completely unrecognizable is going to happen. Okay. Now, within that range, there can be a lot of different variations, some that you've not really even experienced before. There can be a lot of novelty in there. Right, because it's a continuum of variations, but it is within a certain range. Okay, now that's within a situation. The second thing is that in a chaotic situation, there's no continuity between different instances. There's no way to know, you know, you go from one chaotic situation to another, there's no way to take any information from the first situation and you can't categorize it. You can't bring it to the next. You can't pull out from the first one and say, well, what should I expect now? Right? So when you feel like something's chaotic and totally random, you can't learn anything, can you? But the difference is, is that dynamic situations possess what we call partial predictability. They always predict some degree, they always have some degree of continuity. Okay? Because there's always, the, the essence of a dynamic situation is, from a human standpoint, is that we can always recognize underlying continuity, regularity, as well as variation, dynamic variation. For, for us, subjectively, if we can't do that, if we can't recognize the continuity, 
we're going to feel like it's random or chaotic. So subjectively, you can make that definition. For us, a dynamic situation is one where we can first recognize the continuity. Um, by the way, that's continuity within the situation. What elements right, are we expecting not to vary? For example, might be the intention. Right? We're trying to reach a goal. We're trying to maintain something going. Okay, that may stay the same. May not, but it may. And what we're expecting of areas may be the ways we get there, <laughs> the ways that we move within there. Between a situation, again, we recognize that there are certain elements, if we see multiple instances, we can actually categorize these dynamic situations from both the continuity that they have, the things we expect to be able to learn from several of those types of situations that we can use to help us to prepare if we recognize that same type of situation. So we can have types based on their similarity as long as we, and we can use that information as long as we recognize there's going to be variability between instances. In static, right, we develop static knowledge and static categories of knowledge, which is how we learn we're not expecting to be interested in the variability, the variation. In fact, we want to see replicability. We want to see the knowledge we take from the category we've developed, whether that's building nuclear bombs or repairing a tire, to be applicable each time right? exactly if we follow the procedure, if we follow the method, which can be conditional, but it's always going to be the same. Okay? So we talk about variability within a situation and variability between and continuity and variability within and between situations. And that's the key when we're talking about dynamic situations. Now, variability is everywhere. Dynamic variability is everywhere in the world, right? In your heart rate, your heart rate varies, even though, you know, somebody will take your pulse and they say it's 80 or 70, whatever. It's really varying. It, that's just an average temperature, predicting the weather, right? Everywhere, traffic patterns, you know. But we typically ignore 99% of the variability around us. We learn to, right, um, unless it has meaning to us at that point, significance, I should say, to that point. So when you're having heart fluctuations, and you might start taking your pulse, right, and looking at that variation of your pulse, right? When, so, so depending on that. But most of the time, we, we need to just tune out most of the variability that's going on, right? And... Otherwise, we're just going to be overwhelmed with it. Now, variability, which is the essence of dynamic situations, of course, is not the safest change. People often mistake those things. They think when things change, that's what, what variability is. Dynamic situations are not about change per se. They're about variability. Okay, so let me give an example. Change, if you can define change, is the movement of some element from one state or place to another. And that can also include its disappearance or appearance, its revision or replacement. So a clock that's ticking down, you know, a, a, like a timer, time running out for you to complete a test or a task is an example of something that has ongoing change, right? It's ticking down. But that change is not variable. It's completely predictable and orderly, isn't it? It's not, it's not, a, variable, it's not a dynamic variable, is it? So dynamic variability means you're not going, you're going to see change, but it's not going to be in some predictable sequence like that, right? 
So five seconds from now, it's always going to be five seconds later. Right? So as I become more fatigued during a walk or a hike, I can predict my rate of walking speed is going to slow down. That's not variability, is it? It's a steady, a steady change in a direction is not the same as variability, right? Dynamic variability. It is variable, but it's not dynamic variability. Okay? Now, variability, we're going to get into this, but variability is a function of a lot of different things. And the reason I'm going to bring that up are those are different things that, as you're working in RDI, you have to be very attentive to because you're going to be helping parents to learn how to guide their children to manage a dynamically variable world, <laughs> to attend to it. You have to, they have to help their child tune their brain, right, to recognize variability in different ways and to, to act with agency to manage that variability. And also the third and probably most important issue is to value it, to be excited by it, to want it. Right? Not to be afraid of it. Not to just survive it, but to want it. So we'll talk about I'll, I'll talk about those things in a little bit. Okay? But let me go let me go to a next piece, which is this. Um, okay. There are really several components, right, to, to this. So the first is to managing a dynamic situation. You have to recognize first the continuity. So I mean give me let me get the simplest example would be peekaboo, right? when six-month, five-month, six-month-olds enjoy peekaboo, is because first, they recognize that there's continuity both within an engagement where you're doing it repeated times and between times, right, between engagements or over instances. An instance just means another interaction, another period of interaction, another situation. It, the continuity comes from what? Hiding and revealing, right? Initially, is from the parent or parental person doing it, hiding and revealing. So mom, daddy's going to come, mom's going to come, grandpa, whatever, and they're going to hide and then reveal. And they don't use those words, but that's the sequence that gets bounded together, right? And, and Peekaboo always has that. So here's the key of a dynamic situation. You recognize the continuity, but then as soon as you recognize it, and by the way, the second action, second is not what that infant can do because they can't do it yet, but later on, or as soon as possible, they take actions, they, you learn to take actions to maintain or repair or increase that continuity. Now, in an interpersonal engagement, when you think about a child in the second year of life, that means acting and communicating in a way to maintain a sufficient degree, and that's a whole other area, what is sufficient, of mutual coordination. Eventually, it's understanding, intent, interest, but initially, it's action coordination, right? The third component is making sure that once you recognize that continuity, once you've got it, you move it to the background of your attention. You no longer attend to it unless you need to fix it, repair it. And your mental resources, your attention, your thinking is directed to getting meaning and having and, and, and obtaining the feelings you, you, you expect from that dynamic variability. So most of us prefer to live in a world with some degree of dynamic variability, which means some degree of unpredictability, uncertainty. We like surprises on our birthdays and nice surprises on other days too. 
We're willing to live with negative, unexpected events or surprises to experience the feelings associated with the positive ones. I mean, think about things like variety is the spice of life or viva la difference, right? And the reason these sayings ring true for most of us, most of the time, most of the time, not all the time, is that that dynamic variability is what makes life worth living. And there's certainly times when we wish we could just, you know, live in a routine, stable way, eliminate all the uncertainty, you know, when we're feeling overwhelmed and stressed out. But if we truly eliminated all the dynamic variability from our lives, we would rapidly become bored and depressed and probably wouldn't see the point of life. So it's in the dynamic, so it's that ability to go from continuity, establishing it, which hopefully we're doing rapidly, and, you know, acting in a, in a, certainly in a process to maintain it, if needed, maintain the continuity, but then being able to transfer, have enough resources left over, let me put it that way, to appreciate value, process, engage with the dynamic variability. It's where most alive feelings come from, whether that's excitement, surprise, curiosity, mastery, or loss, rejection, hurt, failure. All, all human experiences, all important human experiences, right, are a product of our desire and our orientation towards dynamic variation. And I would submit the concept of experiencing, if you think about experience as an active process in the world, where you sort of, most of us can go through a day, myself included a lot of the day, like a we call a psychological zombie, sort of going through it and doing the routines and whatever. But hopefully during the day, we're also doing what I call actively experiencing something. And it's defined as, to me, the ability to live within the dynamic variability, to be aware of our feelings and our thoughts associated with it, to see things that stand out, things that are memorable, even with a little M, I don't mean a big M, memorable as the essence of a situation. And without that type of meaningful variability, experiencing as an active process that we engage in really doesn't exist because there's nothing, nothing worth experiencing, nothing memorable, nothing happening. Right. And something becomes worth experiencing because it is attached to feelings. And later we add some kind of commentary or annotation to that variability. And see, the deal is people with autism, OK, who don't possess this, these abilities we call dynamic intelligence, even simple, which starts at a simple level I've been talking about. Well, so they might learn to to some degree to survive in dynamic situations. OK, so if they're able to perceive the continuity in those situations and as long as long as they can then um, eliminate or uh, or not attend to the variation right push it away they're going to do okay now of course when the variability is too great or if we add complexity to the variability the dynamic becomes more complex then they're not able to recognize the continuity and then at that point, they can't just reduce it or eliminate it. They need to avoid it or try to control it or change it, right, or get out of there or withdraw from it. But what's critical to understand is what happens with autism is that your motivation then becomes completely different without even recognizing it, that for human beings, for typically developing persons, right, for people who don't have autism, most of us, not everyone, but most of us, we, are, we live in a balance of stability and variability, that we don't want to eliminate either one, right? We want to have continuity when, and, and this is a matter of personality, when 
our ability to to manage the it, recognize it gets too low. We want to move towards that end, and I call that stability maintaining. Right? We we try to do things to reduce variability, if possible, or avoid it. Hide under the bed, you know. And then if that gets too great, if we don't have enough variability, we move to actually increase it. We do things to actually put ourselves in a situation where there's more surprises and dynamic variability and, right, new things, novelty, right? And so we are in that balance. What happens in autism is because persons with autism don't learn how to do that balancing act, if you will. They don't learn how to, and they don't experience from very early age of infancy, the desire for their dynamic variability, right? Their motivation becomes focused only on one end of it, which is to, right, recognize it and, and get rid of the, and see the variability as noise or to withdraw from it, avoid it, control it, do whatever they can, but not to want to put it to the forefront of their life. Because variability, if you have autism, dynamic variability feels like chaos, right? It feels like randomness, which none of us really want to live in a world like that. There's no, there's no payoff to it. So if that's how you're feeling, right? So how do typically, in, typically developing infant, infants do this? How do they manage simple dynamic situations? I was talking about peekaboo. Peekaboo is a good example of a simple dynamic situation. Initially, the child is even infants, even in a passive role. They're, the learning they're doing is not through action. It's they're sitting, they're laying there or sitting there, and if they're sitting up, and the adults doing most most all the movement. Although there are some things that the infants doing with their attention, with their smile, with their face, that does influence dramatically influence what the adult is going to be doing. But the adults basically performing the activity, right? And what the infant's doing is they, if they're going to enjoy, the, you know, when they're going to enjoy the in, uh, peekaboo and they're going to want it, because you can do it when they're in two months old and they're not going to want it. <laughs> it's going to be either aversive or they're saying, not knowing what you're doing. As soon as they can recognize the continuity, and it's a very simple continuity, right? Hiding and revealing, that's it. Right? That's all you got to know. Is this, It's not a sequence. It's just two things connected. You're going to hide and then reveal. That's the sequence. Right? So as soon as they get that, Right. What they do is they shift their focus to the variability, the variations that the adult introduces. Right. Whether it's a cloth or their hands, how how free, you know, how much they hold their hands there. Right. To the point where, um, you know, or I do it faster or I hold it and I hold it and I hold it. Right. Or noises I might make along with that or. You know, numbers are very, you know, cloth, what I say, or I put the cloth eventually on the child's face and then reveal it, right? Now, at some point, the infant becomes more of an active agent in this, but that's a, that's a little bit aside from that. Okay, so what happens is that the infant is enjoying this because they're able to perceive the continuity, but also because they're able to recognize that there's a, a limit, a range of variations that they can expect. And what I was saying about infants communicating is if you as an adult, and this will happen to almost any adult, we'll, we'll get to, especially dads, we'll get too exuberant in your variations or too in, inconsistent or, or, or too elaborate. You'll see the infant turn away from the game. Um, if it's really much, they'll be in distress. But they'll communicate to you to stay within a certain range, 
They won't communicate, do this, this, this. They won't try to control it and get a specific response because that would ruin it for them, wouldn't it? But you'll unconsciously, and they're not aware of it either, they'll train you. They'll <laughs> they'll condition you to stay within a certain range, which as they get older, you'll see, you'll keep trying, and you'll see that range will expand and expand and expand, right? But so the frame is established, what we could say consensually. It's established by both, in this case, in peekaboo, both the person doing the, the action and the person receiving it through communication, they're actually establishing what we call a consensual frame. And it's it's a messy process, right? It's not a simple process. You learn from trial and error. You learn from feedback. And it keeps, it, by the way, the frame keeps expanding. It keeps extending. What I mean by extending is you can use different materials. You can use your hands. You can use, um, you know, a cloth. You can hide behind the sofa and pop up, right? You can extend it. You can extend the number of the types of variations, right, you can use. You can also extend the range, the, the frequency, the, the impact of them, the, the loudness of them, whatever. Um, you, can, you can do that, right? You can do it in different settings, different people. So it extends. It expands, too. It becomes um, a role that children can take on as well, right? So it expands, this frame. And children learn as the frame expands, as the frame extends, it expands. And they also learn that you can reframe it, which we'll talk about later. So gradually, not through just peekaboo, but through early infant games and through other things like that, what are they learning to do? They're learning to, initially, first of all, recognize where the continuity is through increasing variability. And they're learning that they, as agents, can take part in it first, right, by maintaining the continuity, and second, by adding the variability. It becomes a co-variability, right? They learn that they can do that in a simple dynamic situation. So all we're talking about here is simple dynamic situations, right? So I want you to understand that variation, those are not changes per se. They're dynamic variability, right? And they always have to do with those things. Now, so... What I'm saying is that infants learn, and we continue to learn, what I call framing. Framing is, um, and frames, frames are different than static knowledge, which has to do with procedures, right, scripts, right, conditional relationships, if this, then this, right. And they start to learn, and their brain starts to get attuned to frames even during the first year of life. In fact, probably more so than they do sequences and procedures, right? Right? Even though they don't know the word frame, but they start learning about dynamic frames. So frames give you, what do they learn? Is that once they get knowledge that that frame provides you the continuity, right? There's going to be hiding and revealing. And it also tells you about the variability. Tells you the range of variation to expect. It tells you the amount of agency, amount of control you have. In, the, in, in, in that process, it tells you the in, later on the intention of it, what we're trying to do and consensually, whether that's just play, have fun, work, maintain a process together, like keeping the ball in the air, right? Um, it becomes more abstract. The, 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 the intent becomes more complex. Obviously, there can be more than one intention. So it tells you about the continuity, which could be the intention. It could be the... Uh, initially, it could be, again, just a very simple sequence that keeps recurring, 
but those can get out of the way after a while. Um, those are not important after a while. And, and it tells you some way to look for that. And later on, you'll learn how to maintain it. The frame tells you what your role in managing, maintaining that continuity. But it also tells you about the variability, what the range is going to be, usually, what to expect so you're not completely at a loss. Right? It tells you about the, the variations that have already been, you know, what are, what are familiar ones. It may tell you about how to begin and how to end a process. Remember, framing knowledge is not about an object. It's about a process, and that's the difference. Static knowledge is not about a process. It might be about a sequence, right, or a procedure, but it's not about a continuous process that changes, evolves, dynamically varies, right? So, again, what infants learn, and you can see Peekaboo as the example, is that while as long as they can maintain that continuity, right, variability is where the action is, and they become motivated, right, for novelty, even incongruity, for new things, for variations. They, they don't want to repeat the same things. By 12 months, you try to repeat the same stuff you've been doing, they're going to lose interest like that, right? right? And they become themselves interested as agents in learning to master that situations with that type of variability, right, especially in interpersonal situations and becoming more active agents in those things. And when we talk about the memories or the knowledge that develops, you can see that static knowledge and dynamic knowledge is going to be extremely different, right, in terms of what we're going to be keeping. Thanks for joining us for ASC, A New Perspective, a podcast show where we help you understand the mind of your child. And we always encourage you that growth for your child is possible. I'm Kat Lee. See you next time.